Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Is it right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let's go again. Perfect. COVID-19 is the biggest pandemic facing humanity in more than a century. One year in, and we are still looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. Models and data have played a very crucial role in this response. In this special podcast series, we'll be talking to our fellow researchers from NSAC at the Biocomplexity Institute, University of Virginia. The team has been tirelessly supporting COVID-19 response in the U.S. at the local, state, and federal levels. And in this episode, we'll be talking to Brian Klan and Akhil Saipedireddy about dealing with the COVID-19 data deluge. Hi, I'm Srini Venkatramanan. And I'm Erin Raymond. Let's go talk to the COVID chaser. Hello, I'm Brian Klein. Um, I've been with NSAC, I guess, since about 2016, I guess, something like that. I'm a research scientist. I think I'm, I would consider myself mostly a software guy this, these days. Uh, my background is in, in biological sciences, actually, in um, neurophysiology and molecular biology sorts of things. But yes, for the last decade or so, I've been doing mostly software engineering types of things. So, Hi, uh, I'm Akhil Sai. I'm a master's student in computer science at UVA. I started my degree in August 2019, and uh, I have been with the group since uh, September of 2019. Yeah, uh, Brian or Akhil, can you tell us uh, how you got involved in the COVID response and how the journey has been so far? So I, I, I guess I just volunteered for it. Um, I, I knew that um, we needed help with uh, the, so we have a, have a really good um, epidemiology team here. I knew that they would probably um, want some help with some automating some things and, and streamlining some things. So I thought, I, um, I thought um, it'd be nice to help with this kind of a, public service sort of effort that we're doing here. So, so Brian, do you consider yourself a software guy? Ah, I don't know. I, I specifically, I guess, um, software sorts of things that, that are more, I guess, production, I want to, I would say, um, I, I guess that was kind of the thought and I've been kind of familiarizing myself and, and, and knew some things about how the, how our cluster works and, and things like that. I, I, you know, so yeah, scripting downloads and trying to automate things and things that are in in um, research, um, kind of like almost like prototype research prototype type notebooks. I'm wanting to get those, I guess, um, like again more streamlined. But you're asking about yeah things that I was doing before. I, I guess I've always been interested in doing scripting sorts of things and, and making things work on their own um, and work better and think about how the how the data <laughs> could be maybe processed to be more um, ready, I guess, for uh, analyses and things like that. So, Okay. And Akhil, as a, as a master's student, I'm not sure you had a lot of choice in, in joining the COVID work. I feel like maybe you were sort of assigned to this work, but maybe not. Uh, actually, uh, in fall 2019, I've been working on uh, uh, influenza surveillance with Srini. So we were actually getting data uh, for almost like 10 to 12 states. So there was some background over there. And also uh, in December, we actually started getting uh, airlines travel data. So I, I worked on that. And coincidentally, uh, this was before COVID happened. And coincidentally, this data was used in one of the work, in, like ev- evaluating the impact of airline suspension. So Akhil, yeah, I, I recall that conversation, uh, like trying to figure out, I think you were traveling to India at that time and trying to figure out how to automate all the airline data sets and then we were able to repurpose it 
very quickly so yeah you've also played a key role in like the, the surveillance dashboard that we have so maybe you can talk more about like how what what do you think uh, it serves and like how what were the challenges behind it so i i think uh, it it actually started in around april uh, so i start, i involved in surveillance dashboard work uh, since then and uh, uh, got started with the uh, state level data and then data for uh, all all us and the national uh, levels and then later vaccines right now uh, so i think uh, most of the challenges that we saw was mainly due to the different different formats like even till date uh, every every week or so we see some format change and uh, we had to like update the scripts and uh, uh, do all those corrections on checking so uh, that format should be standard i think and that's one of the thing that we also mentioned in the paper uh, right so this is the big data paper right yeah the big data paper uh, that that's one big challenge especially related to uh, surveillance and uh, we also saw that there were less sources and it, the data was more noisy uh, at that point of time but later it got uh, better and standardized yeah i think brian can also talk to a lot of those because uh, while akil has been on the front end of the battle like brian has been wrangling so many different data sources and on the cluster and everything so right. And I, before I came on the, um, this part of the or the team, I was I was doing helping um, with a little bit of the dashboard stuff too. And of course, as Hume mentions, you know, you see, I mean, data quality is, is always an issue. Um, common for you know standards and formats and and some some things you can't do too much about. Um, some things are just are just very are just done all the time. Um, so there's they they ought to be able to fit you know kind of synchronize the, the way. The way things um, should be done. Some of the th- some of the other issues were what we've been calling backfill, right? Things where there's data on certain days, and then um, certain resources realize, oh, we we have more data to add that previous day. But if you're trying to make a time series of something and say, okay, this is a kind of a snapshot record in time of, of what's happening, but then you go and download the source later on, and then not only do they update for the the you know the the current day, but then they they changed the, the you know the stuff in the back where we've been calling backfill. So that's another issue that comes up. But yeah, it would be nice if there are some standards up there that people could use for tabular data. Um, and maybe we can coax through this. We can coax some of those sources to 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 help themselves as well as um, help us because I, I I know a couple of them internally um, are probably using that data too, and it would help if they had maybe some information as far as what the data types are, so that when tools ingest them then we won't have not not, not every single person will, will you know have to maybe go through and, and do the same cleaning on every single file um and, and it ends up being kind of redundant because we see a lot of researchers kind of having the same sorts of things in their scripts but and, and that's part of what i would consider some of the automation that could be done and it could be helpful to have basically something like a schema there are tool there are standards that en- enable sharing information about, about uh, tabular data schema things like that so but i'm sure yeah it can be frustrating <laughs> i also think uh, if there's consistent reporting like some uh, regions include the antigen tests for example some regions don't so uh, there might be a difference between the cases maybe there won't be a uh, proper comparison if this policy worked in that region or not mainly because of the difference in the reporting i guess so what i'm hearing is that like both computational and in terms of just data organization or also more semantic and qualitative challenges which is beyond 
uh, as computer scientists, we start from where the CSV or the Excel file is, but then there's a lot that goes behind it that makes it really difficult to understand. Correct, yeah. So throughout all of this, um, can you think of like some really high points or some really low points? I mean, I, I, I remember I kill sometimes when the surveillance dashboard, the, I don't know, there were some issues that caused a little scrambling um, to recover from. I don't know if those would be considered, you know, low points through this, but times when things were just on fire, maybe. Yeah, I think in terms of the uh, dashboard project, the low point was in June where we had to uh, take down the web website like, dashboard for almost one week to 10 days. Uh, and so also, also a short time because we know that we were getting many emails from uh, users saying uh, we can't access the data, we can't access the dashboard. So uh, the short time, but it was uh, actually fun as well, uh, getting suggestions from how to do in that short period of time. And uh, the high moment, I think, uh, uh, when would be the uh, acceptance of paper in big data conference. And uh, that was a great experience for me, uh, presenting the paper uh, in the conference. And that's one thing that I'm uh, proud of, of uh, among, like, all, in all this work. And well, on a personal note, maybe a low point would be during March or April in the last year, because there was a sudden shift to online classes. It took some time to adjust. And uh, uh, that one month, like, like maybe a sort of feeling lonely and uh, some, some kind of anxiety. Uh, but yeah, after that, it was uh, all fine. Okay, good. How about you, Brian? I was going to, um, yeah, first also um, echo like some of the challenge about having to um, have things in production while you're also still kind of you know, developing on them. And I think Srini once mentioned it's kind of, it is kind of like um, trying to fly a plane while you're building it, right? It's, it's a big operation and, and, and it's got to be, we have, I mean, we have agencies that are counting on us and really, you know, we've come to realize they really relied on our, our information and our insights. But, um, but then if you have, so that's a production environment, but if you're, if some things you're, but if you're also trying to be agile and think, okay, well, this might be interesting now, or this might be useful now, uh, and, and that's good. So it's a, it's a nice balance. Um, but it, yeah, it can be a little bit stressful, right? But that's kind of what we're built for. I mean, in, in a way, this group, um, we're, we have we have a strong you know I mean obviously a strong diversity of people that can that can fill in and, and do things right um, but you know we have research but also some production sort of um, capabilities and experience here and uh, the social aspect of working so I I, I guess I I'm, I've been kind of in that mode for a while we had previously had collaborators that were overseas and and had been working from home a little bit more anyway um so i'm kind of used to being in that mode um but it, it yeah it is it would be nice to come and see you all more you know and work work with people directly yeah i think like to the point that you mentioned earlier i, I recall somewhere reading about creativity being structured chaos so you need something that gives you the framework but within that exploring things that's when really creative things happen and i think uh, our group is uh, quite capable of doing that but like Trying to figure that out uh, as we were navigating, as Akhil and you mentioned, switching from in-person discussing on whiteboards to suddenly staring at a wall of people <laughs> on the computer screens. Uh, so I think that's, that was really challenging. So like maybe uh, we can talk about how this collaborative environment has 
evolved and uh, during uh, especially working remotely doing team science is itself a, a real challenge and doing it in a dynamic environment like this pandemic sustaining it for nearly a year and now remotely sitting at home with dogs and kids everywhere yeah i especially like the team science approach uh, as you mentioned and especially for a student like me like if i have any doubts on or questions uh, i want to ask about software uh, there's some person i can do if i want to ask something about models or uh, uh, other things there's some there's some expert uh, over there so like everyone is approachable uh, and uh, everyone would be friendly respond and even at this busy time everyone is busy with uh, uh, many things but they are still uh, helpful whenever uh, you need it and also the uh, weekly and sac meetings that were very helpful for me to know what everyone is doing and uh, uh, to understand how how this thing is uh, done in a real time uh, like a real time response to a crisis and uh, uh, i also enjoyed uh, other talks like uh, the computational epidemiology series uh, the expeditions one and many other uh, talks that were organized by the team uh, I got more exposure to uh, many many things yeah as a student in this environment i would imagine this has has given you a front row seat to the real world applications of your work i mean it's not just a you know, I'm writing this paper, I'm taking this test for this class. It's real world stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like this, uh, my thesis couldn't have been of more significance, uh, especially due to uh, the kind of work that we ha I, I, got, I got the chance to do uh, right now. Like uh, involving in multiple projects, uh, usually maybe uh, uh, if it were normal times I, I could have been done doing only one project one or two but uh, right now um, like many other things like data dashboard and uh, models for for uh, forecasting uh, so i think that that was one opportunity that came out of this crisis uh, i think the silver lining i'm always looking for the silver lining in the dark cloud what about you brian i mean i think it's pretty well acknowledged by now that that that's really the only way to go to these days to do complex um, problems, right? And that, and I, so I, I guess in a way, I feel like we've been kind of doing this. I, I know, I just remember for for years, people would talk about team science. It seemed like it was kind of a buzzword, but um, when I came into this group, it seemed like we actually were implementing it. It was, we're just, we were doing it here already. And, um, and I, you know, for what, what, you know, however that happened for whatever reason, you know, it came together like that. It is really cool to be able to talk to, you know, a biologist or a physicist or epidemiologist or, you know, and and, and the support people are great and you know, like everybody, and um, so that that's really nice to have resources and 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 people that you can, you know, I found that you can, you don't have to feel bad about bugging them, and everybody seems to be respectful, and you know, it's so it is it's really nice. Um, and I guess it, it's, and as far as the, in the epidemic, of course, that sort of thing has changed. Um, but I think part of it could could be just just um, us social engineering ourselves to to not feel bad about um, hey, saying, hey, can we just do a quick um, video chat or something like that? I think before it was it was really nice to just, you know, to walk up past somebody's office and in and, and this group, you know, everybody was friendly enough that they they would say, yeah, you know, I have a minute. Can you, if, if you want to ask a question and maybe, you know, maybe we, we need to be a little bit more 
not afraid to just, you know, virtually knock on somebody's door. Um, yeah, I think that's a really great point. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, innovation and creativity that comes from those random conversations that you have as you walk by someone's office, as they're standing at the puzzle table, as you know they're getting a cup of coffee, all those things. And, and we miss that and it's really tricky to recreate that. But I think you have a really great point that we, we need to just not be afraid to, to use the technology that we have. In Teams, for instance, you can click on the call Srini button and Wait, there's I can a, video there's a call. call. I know. Make sure you click on it. <laughs> it's not rolled out. Um, but and if he's available, he can answer, and I can see his smiley face, which makes me very happy. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think we just need we need to take more advantage of those things. Some some of these things have knock knock features, right? Where where um, they can if you want to talk to somebody, they can see you, but you can't see them right away. So they can they can say, oh, it's that person. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Forget see it. Them right now or I'm not here. I'm not here. Or, or do they look angry? Or do they look <laughs> happy? <laughs> so did you guys have to innovate about like how you collaborate or like how did you change the ways in which you were just ways of reaching out to people? Did you have tricks to make sure that you, you got time to work on, on things that need to get rolled out, but also be available for others? I think uh, uh, as working with biocomplexity, there isn't much difference. Like uh, in fall, like, uh, like I had many courses, like maybe uh, work for 10, 10 individual days. Like I was also doing remote work uh, during that semester also. I think uh, as the difference between in-person and remote uh, is that I can get more time uh, to work on and uh, there there's no need for much traveling. So uh, I can work at any time, basically, uh, since I don't have classes. I don't need to attend in the morning so I can work lateness because there isn't much uh, disturbance. So one question, I mean, just coming back to data, like what do you think, what do you wish we had known on day one of the pandemic, the lessons learned over the last year and what you wish you had collectively? Right, for data, particularly relating to data. I think having a centralized uh, uh, access to uh, like first surveillance data would be really helpful for everyone. And uh, other than that, uh, most of the data reporting would be currently in uh, different types of dashboards, like Tableau or uh, Power BI and uh, all those dashboards. So if you have uh, some kind of uh, software packages, which can uh, actually help to gather the data from these kind of dashboards readily available, then uh, it would be easy. And we actually built it on the way in the last one year. But if you had it available uh, on day one, then maybe it would have been easy to quickly gather and uh, uh, add add more data. Yeah, I was going to say that that's um, some of that to me it ended up being just kind of a learning process that it, I don't know if could be avoided or not. I mean, what what I, I I kind of am proud of now. I think we have I counted thirty six some jobs that fire that I, that I fire off or whatever to get data and, and scrape things from various places. Um, wow. At this point, they run independently. Some of them do have dependencies on one another, but they're basically, I think of, think of them like little minions that go out and get our data for us and have it ready for <laughs> us every day, you know, little jobs on our, on our cluster. So that I think maybe if we would have had that, you know, something like that going sooner, it might have been more helpful. I, I feel for people that that were getting up early and saying, OK, I need to get the data. You know, it's like the the Dunkin Donuts. There's time to make the donuts, trying to, time to get the data. You know, I'm going to go and click this and download this. Oh, I got to unzip it and then I should probably clean it up a little bit and merge it in or whatever. And some of that stuff, uh, parts of that I've, I've got automated, which 
which I think is nice. Um, I, I like I don't I know I wouldn't want to have to do that every day. Yeah, if I remember correctly, you had a weird time in the morning where all these scripts were firing off. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. So so like I know people are familiar with Crone on, on Unix. It's a, something that'll that'll schedule things, right? And it's there are newer systems now, System D, I guess, for example. Um, but but um, what people will tend to do is have them at weird times so that not everything is hitting a server at, at exactly the same time. So if people tend to make it exactly at 3 a.m. or something like that, then suddenly you get all these jobs, you know, into your server at like maybe 3 a.m. and then and then nothing until you know between three and four or something, you know. So that's that. I guess that was my thing. But and also part of it, it just helps helps me remember, you know, associated with something unique. I guess. Oh, that job. That's right. That's the that's the 721 job or whatever. I don't know. I know you guys thought that was pretty pretty funny. So I, I think I have that one going at 8.33. Okay, what, what's, what's special about 8.33? <laughs> so I think we have another couple of minutes. So maybe, uh, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, maybe I'm uh, hoping that before I graduate, I could uh, actually see our new building. Or maybe uh, we, I still have chance to do it if when I come back to PhD. But yeah, we'll invite you to that. give talks uh, even before that. So don't worry. <laughs> and Brian, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just remembered something I wanted to, to touch on. That um, I guess about, about the, um, this environment and this team environment. I, I think that I think one of the cool things I get to work on. Um, there's so many interesting problems I can work on in this in, in, in this sort of team. You're not really necessarily channeled into any specific thing, and you can help a little bit, some little other things. Um, one of the other things I was going to bring up is, is I think in some ways it can be a false dichotomy when people say there's production level and then there's research level. There's so many things that that help both worlds that that are kind of um, that can be synergistic. So I, I I really think that there's a cool opportunity to focus on some of those things. I think about Jupyter notebooks um, and people use those to prototype, but there's libraries that help you that help you pretty easily transition that into production code. So I think one of the things I mentioned to to um, Brian Lewis was sort of a farm to table sort of <laughs> analogy, I guess, where, <laughs> where we're kind of having to do something like that already. Anyway, we're, we're we're doing analyses and things, but then we're trying to get them right into production. So anyway, there's there's some opportunities there, but that's one of the things I think that's, that's kind of a cool opportunity here is we don't necessarily have to have, have some of both. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for both of you for joining us um, for this little snapshot into the data world of what we Thank do. You. Good to see you guys. Thanks. All right, that's it for this episode of COVID Chasers. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, go to our website, biocomplexity.virginia.edu forward slash NSSACNSAC. Or follow us on Twitter at UVA underscore NSAC. Stay safe and see you next time. On the next episode of COVID Chasers. Now, how can we present this in a way that is not discouraging, but does not um, perhaps paint a false picture? Suddenly, all the number we interact every day is not number anymore.